You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fansided and Pro Football Weekly. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. I've had a couple people tell me, some friends, some people on Twitter, that they know that whole intro now. And I appreciate that. I, I think that's... That's important. I think consistency is key, and and I I want you to know what you're getting. So hopefully you do when you turn on this show. I try to try to give you some consistency, some continuity, and I I hope to bring you the best Packers show that's out there. That is my goal every time I hit record on the microphone. So I I want you to be more informed than your friends who don't listen and who might listen to other shows. No shots at them. They're fine. They are what they are. But I think there's a reason this show has grown and and continued, by the way, to grow when there's no games. We have just had two consecutive months where we've done our best numbers ever. And that's a testament to you. I do this because I enjoy it, because I love to do it. And you listen because you love the Packers, because you love your team. And that's a really cool, I mean, I hope you think, because I think, that that's a really cool relationship that we have. I do this to give to you. And you do it because you love this team. You listen because you care about this team. I just think that's really cool. I'm sorry if that's sentimental or or weird. I just think it's cool. It's why I do this. And, and it's really rewarding that you guys have have been listening and that our our listenership has grown. All right, now that we're done with the shameless part of the beginning of the show where I talk about how great I think you guys are, there is some interesting Packer-related news to discuss. Over the last 24 hours, we have heard about two visits that the Packers have taken pre-draft, Derwin James and Tremaine Edmonds. Those are reported visits. We will not know for sure that those are a thing, but we can say with some level of certainty that that that's a thing that's happening. And so what's happened over the course of the last week or so is we have cobbled together a list of names. So far, we have Mike Hughes, Vita Vea, Derwin James, who the Packers met with at the Combine as well, and Tremaine Edmonds for defensive players. You have to assume at some point that Roquan Smith, Denzel Ward, Josh Jackson, some of these other top names are going to be added to the list as we move forward. Because as I mentioned on Wednesday, it's become clear that the Packers are not doing what Ted Thompson traditionally did and use these pre-draft visits as recruiting trips for priority free agents, but in fact, to get to know top picks. And I don't know that this is a better way or a worse way. 
I think it's better for fans because it allows them to get excited. Oh, my my favorite player could get picked. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. Because if the Packers you know, take Connor Williams in the first round and he wasn't one of these priority visits and a lot of Packer fans got really excited about all these great defensive players, then maybe Packer fans are bummed about getting their hopes up. They're certainly bummed about getting their hopes up about free agents. The Packers have been linked to all sorts of players over the last month or so. And and obviously only the, the names that we've talked about are, are deals that have come to fruition. The Patriots signed Jordan Matthews to a deal. It seemed clear that once the Packers and Matthews met and, and they left without a deal, that it was more like a go see what you can get. And if you don't like what's out there, come back. That has been the Packers' M.O. for a long time. And the Patriots clearly wanted him more than than Green Bay did. Now, part of the reason is they just traded their best receiver. So they needed him more than Green Bay does. Jordan Matthews could go to the Patriots and immediately be their top-named receiver, if we're going to go with receivers. Rob Gronkowski, if he's healthy is, and, and going to play next year. He is clearly their number one guy. We don't know if he's going to play. So... That, that's not the point of all of this. All of this is to say the potential picks for Green Bay at 14 are beginning to take shape. We would expect Harold Landry, Marcus Davenport, Denzel Ward, some of these other defensive players that I've mentioned. We're going to be able to hone in on a group of about 10 or 15 players. And what's interesting is I did the, the roadmap me packing and and we're going to get to that in our in our second segment we're beginning to understand that green bay has zeroed in on a group of players and we don't know we don't derwin james may or may not be there at 14 we don't it seems like his stock has gone up minka fitzpatrick's has come down so maybe he also has to be in, in these visits harold landry's stock has gone up could he be gone by the time the Packers pick at 14? Denzel Ward, if he's the number one corner in this draft, he's probably gone. But the Packers need to be doing their due diligence. They, they need to be vetting these players. This is, it's not just a signal of difference between Brian Gutekinds and Ted Thompson. It is a, a reaffirmation of the importance of this draft. Because the Packers are at a crossroads. They made all of these sweeping changes in this offseason. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new new corporate structure, new front office structure, new front office head. It's not that they need to get this right or you know, suddenly the end of the Aaron Rodgers era will be a failure and Mike McCarthy's going to lose his job, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's not, let's not go there. It's not true. That's just not a thing. But... This offseason, in a lot of ways, will set the tone for the end of the Aaron Rodgers era and the beginning of the Brian Gutekunst era. Green Bay can win the Super Bowl next year, provided a couple things break their way. They need one or two of these rookies that they draft to hit. They need Jimmy Graham to be good. They need Muhammad Wilkerson to be solid. And they need Mike Pettin to be what they think he is, and that is an upgrade over Dom Capers. I think, if not all of those things, I think the most likely of those to be true is that Pettin 
is an upgrade. I think there is a near certainty that that Mike Pettin is better than Dom Capers. It would be hard for him not to be better than Dom Capers. But I think if you look at what Jimmy Graham could do in this offense and how Muhammad Wilkerson fits in this defense, I think they are not guarantees, but but pretty close if they're healthy to be quality players for this team. Is this roster right now better than it was a year ago? I don't know. But even if it's just as good as it was a year ago at this time or even a month from now, I thought that team with Aaron Rodgers was the best team in the NFC. If it was if the game was at Lambeau, I thought it was Green Bay. If the game was in Atlanta, I thought it was Atlanta. Obviously, what we learned was that the drop-off from Kyle Shanahan to Steve Sarkeesian was bigger than we thought. And Atlanta has lost some talent since then. Obviously, the Rams have gained some talent. The Eagles are much better than we thought they would be. But And the Vikings, obviously, add Kirk Cousins. They were better than we thought they would be last year. Although I think you know, the injuries and, and what, what was going around the conference last year certainly helped Minnesota. If, they, if Minnesota loses, if Marcus Williams tackles Stephon Diggs, I don't think we, we view Minnesota the same way. Because they would have lost their only playoff game. They bring in Kirk Cousins. Okay, cool. Are they really any better than they were? If you're Green Bay, they lose Jordy Nelson, they lose Morgan Burnett. I expect the defensive coordinator to make an impact. I think this draft holds the keys to their future. So that is what I'm saying. I don't think they will have a high pick in the next three to five years. And so we saw Ted Thompson in 2009 say, I don't think with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, we're going to have a lot of these opportunities. So I am going all in on this draft. And he took two Pro Bowl players in the first round, traded back into the first to get Clay Matthews. I don't know that Gutekunst is going to do the same, but that is the pivotal moment that the Packers find themselves in. This is a crossroads offseason. And Brian Gutekunst needs to get this right. You are listening to the Lockdown Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything new across the NFL with Lockdown NFL and Lockdown NFL Draft. So I, I mentioned the roadmap. And the reason I think the roadmap is important is when you go into a draft, you have to know not just who you'd like, but when you can draft them. So it's, it's not enough to say, I like players A, B, C, and D. You have to be able to say, okay, if I can get player A at 14 and player B at 45, then that needs to affect how I view players C, D, and E. Or I don't think I can get player B at this spot. And so that affects how I'm going to approach my first pick or my third or my fourth pick or whether or not I trade up, or any of those things. These are all important factors for the Packers. So I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company. You, you can go find the article. It's just called Creating a Roadmap for the Packers Draft. And what I found, what I did was I took the, the players the Packers are likely to be interested in, the players who traditionally fit the kinds of Physical characteristics that the Packers like. And so I mentioned some of the names that I mentioned. This is this is actually fascinating. So I used the the draft 
spots from NFL Draft Scout. It's where they have their top 100 players. I mentioned three names earlier that the Packers have had meetings with. Tremaine Edmonds, Vita Vea, Derwin James. I also mentioned to my cues. They are 9, 10, and 11 on the Draft Scout big board. Now, Mike Hughes does not fit, even though he's had a visit, does not fit the Packers' traditional thresholds. So maybe this list needs to be even expanded further. Maybe someone like Jair Alexander from Louisville, who's a little undersized, needs to be on it. Maybe Dante Jackson, who's a little bit undersized, needs to be on it. But the Packers are likely to have a bevy of options at 14. So the the roadmap doesn't really help us there. But what, what you need to do then is you need to go to the second round and who is potentially available there. And the list is not, is not long. If you look at all players, NFL Draft Scout players with second round grades, players ranked as second round picks, there are only 10 players projected to go in the second round that the Packers have a, a, a draft history congruency with, which is to say... There is a list of 10 players that fit the Packers' traditional thresholds. They are almost all pass catchers or front seven players. The only exception is Justin Reed, the safety from Stanford. And I don't expect him to fall as I don't I don't expect him to fall as far as he's listed on NFL Draft Scout. They have him at 59. I think he's a first round player. He's been he has been projected as a first round player. If he's there at 45, I think that would be a, a great pick for Green Bay. But so my point in in bringing this up with the round two players is if the, if the Packers have three or four players available to them at 14, based on their board, they don't need to take a pass catcher because they can get that at round two, probably. And maybe they don't need to take a front seven player, an edge rusher in particular, because a guy like Lorenzo Carter, Rasheem Green, Uchenna Nwosu would be available at 45. Maybe you don't have to take Roquan Smith at 14 because Malik Jefferson would be there at 45. I think based on the way the draft is likely to play out, the move is defensive back at 14 if possible. If Derwin James, Denzel Ward, Josh Jackson, or even Justin Reed is there at 14. I think that makes sense. Jair Alexander, Mike Hughes, those are, those are, that's the move. Now, if they're going to, even if they expand their cornerback ratio, it doesn't change much about who could be available at 14 or at 45, though we could bring in names like Isaiah Oliver and Carlton Davis, who don't fit what Green Bay normally likes, although Oliver is on the borderline. But I think if you're just going by who could be there at 45 versus who could be there at 14, and you want to game it out, I think the move is DB at 14, assuming all else is equal, assuming you have similarly graded players, and you want to say, okay, we need to figure out, we need to break a tie, basically. I think based on this draft, even though it is deep at corner, I think it's unlikely the Packers are going to have a player they like at 45 at corner. And so you make the move at 14. Now then at 45, they have a bevy of options. Do they want to take an edge rusher? They could. Do they want to take a pass catcher? There's going to be some tight ends possibly available. Could Cortland Sutton fall? Mark Andrews, Mike Gusecki, could they be there at 45? Now the other interesting thing is if you look at the third round, there just aren't a lot of good options. Most of the players who fit 
Green Bay are are considered end of the third round picks and could be there at, at 101 when the Packers pick at the top of the fourth round. So maybe, as I have said many times, the move is package 76, 101, and 133 to get back into the second round and get both an edge player and a pass catcher. If they come out of the second round and they have, let's say, Lorenzo Carter and Cortland Sutton, or Mark Andrews and Yuchenna and Wosu, that could set them up in a huge way. That could be incredibly impactful for this defense. The fact that there isn't an ideal third pick could incentivize them to move up back into the second round. Now, again, part of that is predicated on the idea that that there are these players that are available at the top of the fourth. And maybe what the Packers say is, well, we like these fourth round players. We like the fact that we have picks 101 and 133. And there could be all these quality players where we pick. They could they could believe that too. But that still leaves the matter of, of taking someone in the third. And if they feel like they have to reach, they could trade down and they could accumulate picks in the fourth or in the, in the later third round picks. And maybe they they say, okay, now what we're going to do is at the end of the third, we're going to take a Michael Gallup. Or we're going to take a Deshaun Hamilton or a Deion Kane. And then at the top of the fourth, the options of someone like Jesse Bates or Quentin Meeks or Tyquan Lewis, that would give them options. If it were me, I would package threes, the, the three and the fours and move back into the second. I think the more that I look at it, the more that is the likely scenario. They pick at 14, they pick at 45, and they move back into the 50s to get one more impact player with all of this draft capital and, and leaves them. This is important too. That Demarius Randall trade leaves them with round one pick or round five pick one which is a borderline fourth. So could they get a Joe Noteboom from TCU, the offensive lineman? Could Godwin Igwebuke from Northwestern be there at the top of the fifth? Or Kylie Fitz, the pass rusher from Utah? Or MJ Stewart from North Carolina? Could some of these guys fall to the top of the fifth? That could give them the incentive to say, we're willing to give up these fourth round picks because we have this high fifth that becomes a de facto fourth if we think some teams in front of us are likely to do some dumb things. And spoiler alert, every year someone in front of everyone does dumb things, then that makes sense to give up those fourth round picks, believing you could get a fourth round talent in round five. The Locked On Podcast Network is unique in that we share information, we share stations. We share sponsors. We share all kinds of things. I have people from other shows on this show and we are able, because we are a daily podcast network to cover breaking news. I did it when I did the emergency pod for Muhammad Wilkerson, that signing. And I'm going to continue as news breaks, whether it's in season or out of season to bring you breaking news podcasts, but I'm not the only one who does them. We have an entire NBA side We have started an MLB side. So whether you are an all-Wisconsin sports fan or you have other interests, the Locked On Podcast Network is there to bring you all of those things. So when Kyrie Irving, the Boston Celtics guard, 
is announced to be out for the rest of the season and the playoffs, having surgery, Locked On Celtics brings you that information and they're going to bring you the best information because they are daily, they are local, they are up to date, and they are passionate about the Celtics the same way I am about the Packers, the same way you are about the Packers. So when news breaks, they're there to break it down. Here is just a little bit of their analysis of the Kyrie Irving news. John Corrales here from Locked On Celtics to talk about the breaking Kyrie Irving injury news. He is going to have surgery on his left knee to remove screws that were implanted in 2015 when he fractured his patella. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago, he had surgery on that same knee to remove a supporting wire that was also part of that same injury. Now what they have found is an infection at the site of the screws. So they're going back in. They're going to take the screws out. They're going to clear up the infection. The Celtics say his knee is structurally sound, but it's going to take four to five months for everything to recover and for him to get back to playing basketball. The Celtics' focus has always been on next season, especially after the Gordon Hayward injury, but now they definitely will not have Kyrie Irving back for the playoffs. After the initial surgery, they had thought maybe he'd return at some point in the first or second round. Now that is out. So the immediate impact for the Boston Celtics is Terry Rozier is probably going to move into the starting point guard role, a role that he has served well for the Celtics so far in Kyrie's absence and in Marcus Smart's absence. They hope to get Marcus Smart back at some point in the first round. He's got he's had that thumb surgery to repair a torn tendon, so hopefully for the Celtics that he comes back, but immediately they will not have Kyrie Irving for this playoff run. It's going to be tough getting out of the first round for the Celtics. If they do and they get to a second round, that's going to be especially difficult. So I'm sure teams are going to start lining up hoping to play the Celtics in that second round. That specifically would be Cleveland. Long term, they say the knee is structurally sound and they hope to start next season with a healthy Gordon Hayward and a healthy Kyrie Irving. And the Celtics priority has always been that. So... We'll see how that goes, but right now there's no further damage. It's not another injury. It's not a separate thing. It's all part of the same thing to clear up what they had done to fix his knee in 2015, and this should remove every apparatus that was in there, and once that's out and healed and the infection is gone, Kyrie Irving should be good to go. We'll see. That's the breaking news. I'm John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. I love to be able to share the space. I think what what the other shows do is really terrific. A lot of them, they have great guests. They have great insight. And so I want to share that whenever I can. When there's big breaking news across sports, I know this is a Packers show, but when there is big news and I don't have time to talk about it, or I don't, frankly, there are going to be times when I don't have the knowledge to talk about it. But when there is like lead sports center news... I'm going to bring it to you in these little snippets. I'm going to give you a minute or two minutes from them so that you don't have to waste your time waiting for a replay of SportsCenter or searching Twitter for the information or finding Zach Lowe or Buster Olney or whatever it is. I'm going to bring you that news. It's going to be on this show and we're going to share information. And this is a new thing that we're doing across networks. It is something unique to us because we have that capability and I hope you like it. As always, we're going to be back next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We are getting so close now to the draft. It is almost here. We are going to continue to have lots to talk about. 
My goal is to get a guest next week to talk more about the draft, to talk about some of these players as the Packers winnow their list down. We're going to have some idea this year for the first time in years of who could be in play at 14 for the Packers. And so I'm going to talk about those players. I'm going to, I'm going to get in depth with those guys and, and and dig into the player that the Packers could be getting. That is all there. Go to Twitter and follow me at Peter underscore Bukowski. Ask me questions, offer input. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers, acmepackingcompany.com, fansided.com, Pro Football Weekly. So much content coming from me. I hope you'll follow, and I hope you'll stay Locked on Packers.